Hello and welcome to the Champ We Are United podcast, episode number 15. Wow, 15 episodes. Can you believe it? It feels like we only started yesterday. Uh, We've got a full house here today. Um, So let's introduce everyone that's in the studio. First of all, our usual host, but he is here with us, Rab. How are you doing, Rab? Good evening. All good. Lovely. And we've got Ridders as well. Good evening to you, Ridders. Good evening, guys. Uh, Hello, listeners. Um, Good to be back after a little stint away. Yeah, you're very welcome back. And we've got Simo as well. Nice to have Simo back on board regularly. How are you this evening? I'm very good, guys. It's good to be back. Lovely. So this evening's running order, we'll start off uh, if there are... There are any uh, feedback notes from Rab, uh, and then move on to the usual Ridders reviews. And it's a, a bit of a lucky bag today. I don't actually know what he's reviewing, but we'll come to that shortly. Uh, then we will have our usual Euros catch-up. Plenty to talk about in the last week, really. Uh, and then more comic uh, uh, stuff. It's uh, it's a comic podcast, of course. Well, we have a new section. Now Simo's back regularly on board. It's Simo Selects. And he is selecting this week the goals of Jimmy Grant. We'll finish off as well with the usual details of how you can get in touch. So, first of all, Rab, uh, do we have any feedback over the last week or so? No, no, as such, I think Twitter has given itself over to the Euros of late. And which is understandable, of course. And so nothing, nothing really of, of note coming in on the comics front in the last. Yeah, I think, I think also it's difficult to put questions out there when it's mainly sort of overrun with the, that sort of football talk. So uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll have more coming in soon. But but also set some. Uh, questions for future podcasts mm. as we go along. So there you go. That's Rab's in- input and good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, uh, Ridders, it, it, we'll start uh, with you as we uh, normally do. Um, what are you reviewing this time on your Ridders Reviews section? Well, on the return of Ridders Reviews, just to keep that alliteration thing going strong. <laughs> um, so I thought. Well, the Euros are on, so I thought I'd do um, something with an international flavour. So we're going with Football Picture Story Monthly number 97, and it's called World Cup Wonder. And then it has those three glorious words at the end, at United Story. So we're in the United verse, but we're in the, in the 1990s. So it's, it, it is 1990, and it's the World Cup in Italy. So... You know, we start off with, uh, it's, it's a United, because I've got to come back with United, haven't I? So we've got them in um, in the league in February in 1990. Uh, actually, before I start, have you guys read this one? World Cup Wonder, 97. It's got um, Hedgehog Jones on the front in, in, on a map of Italy. No, I haven't, actually. I haven't got around to that one. Right, okay. It's a good one. It's a good one. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, so it's it's set in obviously 1990, and it starts setting the scene with United playing their league um, fixtures in February, and the whole country, uh, England, is decimated by wintry blizzard conditions. 
Um, United uh, are playing um, Everpool, and Hedgehog puts them a goal up, but um, the referee has to cancel this match just because the the extreme weather conditions. A, a blizzard literally just descends on the mill. The referee calls it off, and that prompts Joe Pearson the next day to book United to go on a a ten day break and to go and see some sun, maybe do a bit of training, playing a couple of matches. So he picks them to go to a country called Quarried, Q-U-A-R-I-D, which I think is made up. <laughs> Excuse my geography. Anyone heard of Quarried? That's made up, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think so. Isn't that where you have to go if you, if you feel like you've correct contract? Oh, no, that's quarantine. Sorry. <laughs> no. And it's nothing to do with COVID either. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah. So... Um, they get booked to go uh, to Quarried for 10 days. So the players get out of the, the bad weather and, and go and get a bit of sun on the back and that a couple, couple of training sessions and stuff. And Joe Pearson organises it with one of the prominent shakes because it's a, it's a Middle Eastern country. And um, you're going to like this. The, I, I didn't spot this until I wrote my notes for this review. I've just read it and it's never, it's never gone in. But the name of the prominent shake who uh, rules this country, is Sheikh Mahand. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, look it up. M-A-H-A-N-D, Sheikh Mahand. And, I, and I, that's always passed me by. <laughs> <laughs> but yep, so there you go. It's a good one. Yeah. So anyway, so the players arrive, they get off the plane, uh, and Hedgehog's wearing a glorious champ T-shirt which I'd like to think is a good throwback. Just It's a black T-shirt with Champ on the front. I'd like to think that's a bit of a throwback to the to their uh, early days. So they've organised a couple of games. They're going to play one of the prominent teams from the country, and then they're going to play the national side of Quarried. Both sides feature a player called Abdul Hassan. Um, he's, a, he's a winger, like a, a winger forward sort of player. Um and when they play the first game, they play Al Sarah. I think that's how it's pronounced. And this Abdul Whatever Hassan will be, will be. <laughs> yeah, in brackets. <laughs> um, yeah, and this this Abdul Hassan, he, he he dominates the game, and he's he's incredible. And the United players can't believe how good this lad is. Um, United initially go a goal up against them. I think Andy Bates, the trainer, says, "Oh, this is going to be easy." But then Hassan takes control. He dribbles around about four United players, equalises. Hassan again, 2-1. And the United players realise they're up against a real talented player here. Um, Hedgehog equalises in the second half, but Abdul Hassan has really caught the eye. Joe Pearson just, he's just instantly thinks he's a really good player. Um, so then after that first game, you sort of see the players relax around the pool. Um you see, a, there's, a, there's a, a good panel where you see Hedgehog. Uh, he buys himself a fez off uh, one of the one of the locals, and then you turn the page, and Hedgehog's riding a camel, still wearing the fez, but he's not smiling. And and Terry Evans is standing next to this camel wearing a ten ten gallon cowboy hat. It's all very extreme fashion again, as they always are with the United. Um, and then we've got. Oh, yeah, the second game. So that's they play the Quarried national team. Abdul Hassan, of course, features again. And he's straight away running rings around United again. Um, and during the game, um, Fred Rimmie's running through the midfield. 
And as he's about to shoot, a quarried fan shouts to him, Bobby Charlton, shoot. And Fred Rimmey, that's a, that's a bit of a compliment. But he has his shot saved. And I guess the same fan just shouts straight back, you're not as good as Bobby Charlton. <laughs> so <laughs> Fred Rimmey's getting a bit of stick from the locals already. But again, the, the, the story of the match is this is this Hassan Winger. He, he, he dominates the first half. In fact, he dribbles around uh, Benny Granger twice. And you just see poor old Benny looking down at the floor saying he's making me look stupid. Um, in the second half, he's going past Fred Rimmey, scores a wonder goal. Um, but Nicholas equalises because United, they don't get beat, do they? So it's one all. But again, the star of the show is this Abdul Hassan. And um, Joe Pearson uh, speaks to his club manager about a transfer straight away. Um, and there's a bit of personality about this Abdul Hassan character and in the game and the way he's drawn. Um, and he looks like a character. You're thinking, yeah, I think this is a transfer that's going to happen. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to transfer him out of the country because they're preparing for the, the Italy World Cup. So United leave Quarried. They've had a great time, plenty of sun on their backs. So they go back to the league campaign, but they don't have a great season. They don't have a great season. And at the end of that year, there's no trophy for United. And as Hedgehog says, that's like uh, that's like fish without chips in one of the uh, the halftime scenarios. So we see United finish their season, but then the, we've got the World Cup on the horizon. Um, but just as the season finishes, we learn that Quarid's manager has been hurt in a car crash. So we, so we enter. Uh, so Sheikh Mahand uh, re-enters the story, and he actually asks Joe Pearson to manage the Quarid national team. At Italia 90, Joe Pearson takes the job and he takes Tug Wilson with him as his coach. And I think Joe Pearson's doing it with one eye on a guarantee to sign Abdul Hassan after the World Cup for United. So we go to, we go to the World Cup and, we, and there's, there's been nothing about England yet. We just focus on Quarid's first three games. And after Tug Wilson's coaching and Joe Pearson's tactics, they do really well. I mean, their group games, they draw one all with Italy, they draw one all with Brazil, and they beat Spain 3-0. So that's quite some group of death we've got there. You've got Italy, Brazil, Spain, and Quarry, all in the one group at the World Cup. So I'm not quite sure what happened with the seedings for that one. <laughs> <laughs> some, something went wrong with the computer there, I think. So we see Quarry do really well. And obviously, again, Abdul Hassan playing really well, scores a couple of goals. And then we catch up with England. Um, and what we find out about England is, is that if they beat Russia in their last game, it sets up a quarried the England tie, which of course everyone wants. So we go, we go to the England-Russia game and there's some familiar faces. Um, so in this game against Russia, we see obviously Iron Bar in goal um, and Hedgehog Jones running the midfield and quite a nice tie-in actually. Accidental for later. Um, Hedgehog Jones sets up the winning goal for Jimmy Grant, who's also playing for England in this World Cup. Um, and it says he's playing for Glasgow Royals at the time. Mm. I must admit, that name didn't ring a bell with me. Does that Glasgow Royals? Is that a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's right, okay. And is, is that within the, the Victor mythology time, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It comes in right at the end. Right. Okay, so yeah, so I was quite pleased with that. I'd, I'd forgotten Jimmy Grant featured in it as well, so we got some some nice tie-ins here. 
But so yeah, anyway, England beat Russia 1-0 and it sets up the tie. And it's played the the Quarried of England uh, game is played at Rimini's Stadio Marco Stadio Stadio Marconi. And the team name Rimini rang a bell as well. I, I, I'm not sure Rimini is that from uh, the Trick of Smart story where he's competing with the with the Spaniard. I'm not. I don't know whether he was playing for Rimini at the time. But anyway, again, that name sort of jumped out. So when we go to the Quarried of England game, because there's the big build-up, it's like you know this is obviously a huge game for Quarried. This is their biggest game ever. They're playing England at the World Cup, and as the game kicks off, Josh T is also playing for England. Um, and then we see uh, Quarred playing quite well, England playing quite well, but it's nil-nil at half-time. And in the second half, Quarred take over. Uh, Abdul Hassan starts dominating. Ayn Bar makes a great save. And then Omar goes through. There, there number nine. Beats Ayn Bar and a certain Willie Barnes heads it off the line. So... We've got a really good contingent. It's like um, half, the, half the England team are, are United or even ex-United at the moment. So it's all quarried. They just keep pressing, keep pressing. Iron Bar saves a penalty. And right at the death, Josh T goes hurtling down the wing and spots sp- Spiky Nut in the middle, as they refer to him. <laughs> Poor old hedgehog. And uh, he scores an England... <laughs> I thought that was actually the name of the player then for a second. <laughs> no, we haven't got quite that extreme yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as Hedgehog, Hedgehog wins the game for England, but it, it sort of handshakes all round. Quarred have played really well. They go home to a, a hero's welcome. Um, and we see uh, the Sheikh again. I can't even, I'm not going to say his name again. No, I will. Shake my hand. He, um <laughs> He offers Joe Pearson and Tug Wilson basically the job for life to manage the national team, but quite honourably, Pearson and Tug are like, we've got contracts back home. But what Sheikh Mahan does say is that you, you have honoured us, so we will honour you. And um, Abdul Hassan will be a United player for next season. And that's kind of how the story finishes. And um, it's, a, it's a good, it's great. It's Italian 90 and get to see the United players playing for England. But um, it's a bit of a missed opportunity because we don't see Abdul Hassan ever again. Um, mm. he, he, he doesn't sign for United in the next story. And it's a shame because there's a, there's a little section halfway through where you see the quarry players around the pool and Abdul Hassan has a bit of a know-all and he tries to, he throws Joe Pearson in the pool because he thinks it's an English tradition. And they're a bit like, well, no, that's, that's the boat race. It's got nothing to do with football. So... The, to me, it feels like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. You know, he's an interesting character. Again, well-drawn. He's a pacey winger. And you're thinking, well, United could have signed him and, I don't know, set up a story. Well, who does Joe Pearson leave out? Does he leave yeah. out Josh? Does he leave out Terry Evans? And at the end, Tuck Wilson even says, whoever you leave out of the team, Josh, Terry, I'll buy them for Oldcastle because that's where Tug's managing. Yeah, and it's a yeah, it's a little gap in the continuity. It's a bit of a shame. Um, they they could have really developed that into a, a further story and mm. things like that. But um, but yeah, as a standalone World Cup wonder, it's called issue ninety seven. Um, I have seen it on eBay and other auction websites recently. It's it's worth a read. Um, I say it's good seeing the United lads playing for their countries as well and mm. playing for England and stuff. So 
so yeah, so there you have it. And um, yes, 32p in 1990, that would have set you back. Wow. Certainly a good one to have in the collection there. And, uh, you know, nice to see a story where you've got, you know, the United lads playing for England against Pearson and, and Tug. You know, it's uh, quite an interesting, an interesting take on it. Yeah, it's really good. It's, 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 it's good. And, and as I was, I was flicking through the United stories, I, that's pretty much the only, what you would call a, an international um they do go and play for their countries in other stories, obviously, but that's that was the only one I could find anyway. Um, that was based on a on a tournament. I'm sure sh- I'm sure there's a Klein and Powell one where they go and play for England together. Uh, maybe I can dig that out. But um, but yeah, after a good return, Ridders Review returns, and we're in it- Italia ninety. Well, that's yeah. lovely. That's a damn good review there. Really enjoyed that one. And um, yeah, really, really good memories. But like you said, it's a shame that they didn't follow up continuity-wise on that. But uh, yeah, it's still good to read. Yeah, yeah. I say maybe a slight missed opportunity with that character, and and that they do kind of develop it, and and, and they're almost hinting at a story at the end where Tug's offering to buy the United player left out. Uh, it would have been interesting, but um, but there you go, a great standalone book. Yeah, it was it was good re- reviewing it, and obviously <laughs> shake my hand. Oh dear! <laughs> wow! Ooh, different days. <laughs> yes, I thought the, the phase. I thought the phase and the camel were going to head to the disco at one point there, but that <laughs> no. sounded like the, the sort of gear that they may have turned up in. Arrived <laughs> <laughs> at the disco and the camel. I can Ooh. just see the headline now. You know, a bit of underhand. You know, shake my hand takes a bun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's offering to buy Joe and Tug out of their contracts. To give yeah. them the job, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't believe I've missed that as well. Mm. Of times I've read that through the years. <laughs> so Ridders reviews will be back with a new one very very soon. Look forward yes, to that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we move on to uh, our second uh, subject, and just moving away from comics until we return for the final section, and let's take a look at what's been going on in the Euros. Uh, who wants to pick up on that, first of all? Where'd you start? <laughs> it's been about, was, was it a 18 goals one day or something like that? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I mean, excitement-wise, the last few fixtures were, were great, weren't they? Just just goals, no, no one bothered defending, almost. But those, uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, and England looked good. Well, England look good, and so does that half of the draw. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but it's, you know, as an Evertonian, it's nice to try getting ahead of myself, at least have some hope and optimism for a team I'm cheering on, you know. But um, Just going off on a tangent briefly, hasn't uh, uh, Rafa Benitez become your new manager today? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. Um, I, you know... <laughs> I'm not as against it as uh, quite a few people I've been reading on Twitter and Facebook who uh, who aren't very happy at all. My take on it is is that um, I'm not too bothered. He's 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 won a lot. Um, he's, he's close to the area, and both him and his wife have done an awful lot for the like the Hillsborough Foundation, and you know they've done an awful lot in the area. But my take is on it is just I just surely there's a better fit all round. Really, was was there no better option than 
you know, Rafa Benitez. I mean, Stephen Gerrard, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, to me, that might be a better fit because he's a, you know, young and hungry, and I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a strange one. Um, he has won a lot, though. I did see his honours list. You know, he he has won trophies and you know mm. European cups and no, yeah. things. He, you can't deny the pedigree of the man, but it's just a strange fit. And he was pictured in front of the uh, the Everton crest at the training ground, wearing his blue tie. It's just one of those, isn't it? You just get a certain perception. We'll see how it goes. I'm not mm. sure, but if if you go on the Everton Twitter feed. Whew, <laughs> mixed. Yeah. Uh, mixed is yeah that's the best way to describe it very mixed um i think when the story broke maybe a couple of weeks ago people were like yeah whatever mm. okay whatever there's just a name in a frame but from what i've read he's he's been he's been solidly talking to them for the last two weeks and impressed everybody so mm. i don't know a good luck to him if he, if he wins as the league cup once just just get some silverware on board you know that, that'll do me yeah. Ridders, do you Good think the the signing of Benitez was perhaps a little bit of devilment on the part of the Everton owners, given his Liverpool connections? Do you think that that played into it at all? I don't think so. I think I think Mashiri just from what I've read with his interviews today, he just seems um, to have been very impressed by you know Benitez's vision, his pedigree, what he brings to the club. I mean, the same sorts of things that were being said about Ancelotti, you know, when he joined, you know, this. Mm. Yeah. European pedigree trophies and stuff. I... The difference, though, between Ancelotti and Benitez is, is the style. I mean, I know it didn't work out for Ancelotti, but he was seen as a very, very much a great man and manager. And, it, it, you know, tactics that were, you know, he played a pleasing style of football. I think with Benitez, they know that's not going to be the case, is it? No, but sometimes managers, I mean, I didn't see any attractive football from Everton for the, the, last, the last three months of the season was, oh, was no. awful. You know what I mean? So he, that's what he was famous for. Yeah. But he didn't apply it to Everton. And But, but I know what you're saying about Benitez. He, he was, I mean, it's particularly at Newcastle as well. He was set up to not lose, wasn't he? Yeah. So, but then he had that good spell with Chelsea as well, didn't he? So I've forgotten Benitez. He took them to third in the league, didn't he? And, hmm. and he won the Europa League. So, yeah. It, who knows? It, it's an odd appointment. <laughs> I mean, it, it does, you know, with, without trying to be too tribal about it. It is a bit. It looks a bit odd. And then he's walking around the training ground with Duncan Ferguson, you know, and it's... I don't know. It's one See, of the I, more, If it doesn't work, there's going to be a lot of backlash, isn't there? You know, he's maybe like, get yeah. it harder than he would have done if he'd appointed somebody that didn't have the connections with Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, what is it? Set up to fail? You know, yeah, what's much, going to yeah. happen? You know, we lose a couple of games at home. I, I, yeah, and it, it you know, the Goodison gonna... can get toxic. It can yeah. get, can, you know. but we'll, we'll see. I, I want him, you know, I want him to do well. Well, I want Everton to do well. Don't care who's managing, you know. Thirty years of hurt for Everton now without a trophy or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I hope he does well because I, I, I want to see Everton do well because you know his son's already been attracted to the dark side. He's already Liverpool. So, you know, you know what I mean? I'm running out of allies. <laughs> well, we interesting to follow that as we uh, go along. But returning to, to the Euros, uh, Rab, Simo, what stands out for you in the last uh, week? 
performance of Switzerland, I would say. Um, obviously, France took complete control of the match with, you know, a 10-minute burst in the second half. Looked absolutely superb. Looked back to the, the France that we, we know. Um, certainly saw it at the last World Cup. But the Swiss hung in there very doggedly. They're well organised. They looked a strong team throughout the match. And for, for them to fight back in the last seven or eight minutes to get it back to 3-3, I thought it was by far and away the game of the tournament so far. And you just had that sense, the way that the match had swung in their, their favour. At that stage, they were going to do it in penalties. Uh, and the script was perhaps written for Mbappe, very high-profile player, to, to be the one who missed at the end. Yeah, and, and obviously... Yeah, it's a tremendous shot. I, I, I think most people would have had France as a stick on to win the game. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a shock. I think the Czech Republic knocking out the Netherlands was a shock as well. <laughs> thought that the Netherlands had looked impressive in their, their group stage. And yeah, the Czechs well organised again, but fairly stodgy side. And no, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, it was- really... It's uh, sorry. It's it's amazing, really, to to list the names of the countries that are not in the quarterfinals. It's it's quite astonishing, really. You know, uh, Portugal out, Germany out, France out. I mean, if, you, you, the Netherlands out. You know, it's amazing, and I don't know whether that's an after effect of uh, the fact that there are more teams in this time. But that doesn't justify the fact that people like um, Switzerland are there. You know, you, that's not an argument in favour of the fact that there are more teams there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the shocks have been good, but they've, they've not been lucky shocks, have they? You know, like Rob was saying, Switzerland were really good. I mean, they, yeah. Fra- France had that spell where they seemed to go into fifth gear and they were just flying at them, weren't they? And then when Pogba scored that goal, which was a that was a bell to that one, that was a yeah. real nice goal. And then you're thinking, well, here we go. But 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 Switzerland played well, didn't they? They deserved yeah. deserved what they got from the game. Um, and um, yeah, Mbappe missing the penalty. He scored in the World Cup final, didn't he? Mbappe twice, twice. Yeah. Oh, did he? Right. Okay. So he's he can console himself with that, I guess. But it's uh, penalties. It's it's rough, isn't it? It's, oh, all right, all right. Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> Simo, what about you? Anything that uh, that uh, you want to reiterate the things that other people have said, or is there something that stands out for you in the last seven days in the Euros? I was just surprised at how many of the big teams just seem to lack that winning mentality at the vital times. You know, it, it was like the, the Dutch, once they got the red card, they just seemed to lose all belief and fell apart. I mean, they were dominating the game up till that point. Very, very much, you know, a similar case with Portugal. You'd think they'd be desperate to hang on to the title and they didn't really offer much at all. You know, it, it was... You kind of, over the years, you've got used to seeing certain teams being able to battle out and dig in and get results without particularly playing well, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. If you, if yeah. you just have a little bit off it, they are getting found out now. Yeah. Did, did you think uh, Ronaldo looked sort of a shadow of the, the former player, Simo? Not quite yeah. there. He hasn't looked 
anything like he normally does. As he, even his, his movement, you could almost see he was going into positions where he wasn't having to do anything. You know, what I mean, it was almost it wasn't so much hiding, but he, he was putting himself in positions where he wasn't having, you know, to be challenged. Yeah, like and, he was almost saving himself, trying yeah. to sort of conserve his energy or something. And I, I noticed that with Modric as well. I mean, he had a couple of brilliant moments in games during the tournament, but there was an awful lot of times where he was like on the periphery and and going into positions where he wasn't going to have anybody near him because maybe. You know, maybe he was feeling it too at his age as well. I noticed that with him. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But these guys are nearing yeah. the end of their career now, aren't they? Although probably Ronaldo won't think that. <laughs> I think Ronaldo will keep going. I think I think we'll yeah. still World Cup. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he's in he's in good he's in better shape than I am. You'll be surprised to learn. So, and I know he's a confident boy, so he'll 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 probably carry on going. <laughs> Why were you in contention with us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I would have been squad number twenty-seven for England. Ah, uh, I'd have been left me along. Nothing room. Well, now <laughs> charge Everton. You never know. He might get in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I'll I'll keep supporting him on this podcast, and when he listens, he'll know who I am. <laughs> so, if you were to choose a, a winner at this stage of the tournament. <sighs> Um, uh, <laughs> I'll say it, England. There you go. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I think, I don't know. I just, it's not, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to do it this time. We're going to do it this time. And then we're going to feel let down. I just have a feeling that the momentum's there. The semis and the final are at Wembley. If you, Ukraine, they're beatable. Yeah, I think England, to be honest. Yeah. Sorry, Rap. <laughs> I would I, I I would go for a Belgium Denmark final. Uh based <laughs> no, quite honestly, based on the fact I think they are the two strongest sides left uh, in the last eight at the moment. And I, you know, Italy Belgium's a big game, clearly. The Italians are extremely strong. I think the Belgians can take them, though, and I think Denmark have looked absolutely outstanding. They have a lot of momentum behind them. They've absolutely bulldozed Russia and Wales, four goals each game. And, yeah, yeah I, 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 look, looking at the moment, I, I really do think these these two, I would pick at this stage to make the final. Um, I, think, I think a wee point in the home advantage at Wembley it is a big thing. There's, there's no question about that. But if you look at the last year, it was obviously France were at home in the final and lost to Portugal. Uh, Brazil at home advantage 2014 lost 7-1 to Germany uh, in the Maracanã. You know, so yeah, there's, there's a weight of pressure I think comes with being at home or can do when it gets to later stages as well. I'll never I forget that. I'll never forget that 1-7 game. That was just... Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. But no, yeah, we take your point there, Rab. And that is, you know, be interesting to see how it plays out. What about you, Simo? I do have a sneaking feeling for Denmark. Um, when they lost Ericsson in the first game, I, I really thought that could be them in big trouble because I wasn't sure who was going to be the, you know, the person that was going to spark them. But Damsgaard come, has come in and done brilliantly. The rest of the team have stepped up and, and just gone on another 10, 15% to what they were. 
Um, I can see them getting through from this half of the draw, even with you know, even if England do have home advantage. Yeah. I, I just think that they're too smooth. The other side of the draw, whew, that's a tough one. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't pick my nose right now, so I certainly couldn't pick a winner out of the other. <laughs> side of the draw. So, it, any, I, I don't think it'll be Switzerland, but I, I think any of the other three, because Spain suddenly seemed to, you know, discovered where the goal is again. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, I just got, I just got a sneaking feeling Denmark might just be the freshest mm. if they get to the final. I think the other half, the draw, is going to take a lot out of whoever gets through, and that might be the deciding factor. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, think, I think that's really good shoot as well. Yeah, that, that yeah, I agree. The Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it's no, you're, you're absolutely right about Denmark, and also, yeah, you, you almost forget Spain are in there and, and they have hit form at the right time, so. Yeah, whoever comes through in that side, could, it could be Italy, of course, it could be Spain. Um, I think Belgium, man for man, are the, the strongest side on that side of the draw. But, you know, um, <laughs> there's quite a lot of pressure in Belgium as well because expectations are high and they'll probably look upon it as the last big chance for this group of players to win a trophy. I mean, they, they are clearly ranked number one side in the world they have been for some time I think rightly so and yeah so so the onus is on them to, to make it good this thing yeah I, th I think they have player for player got the best team hmm. I, I just do worry about the age of the defence yeah because they, they've they, you know they've all been allowed to get old together hmm. yeah. and that yeah. that does they do look a bit you know a bit susceptible there and it's just whether they can their legs can, can hold them together long enough hmm. But if, if they've got to say, for example, you know, they've got to get past Italy and then say they play Spain as well. Yeah. What are they going to have left for the final? You know, that's... Mm. Good point. No, that's a good point. They could always, they could always call on Midders because apparently he's been in contention. <laughs> as well. Yeah. well. I mean, obviously England have done well defensively so far. Do you see them scoring enough goals to win the whole team? It's an interesting um, question. I don't yeah. think I don't think Kane really uh, has. He's been missing in action, really. Hmm. Um, so he needs to turn things around. Um, Sterling is having a fantastic Euros, um, but yeah, but it's for Muller last night was class. Yeah, I think that's going to down as the best assist of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, they need to up their scoring rate. But, you know, you know what the English are like, you know, going on about the fact that the last time uh, we didn't let any goals in um, in the running run up was the, the 66 World Cup. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Linux said uh, that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, talk about tenuous links and trying to, you know, grab at things that, absolutely make no difference whatsoever you know they definitely need to score a few more goals and Kane needs to have a better amount of games yeah I think if again looking at some of the some of the big teams there Italy Belgium Spain uh, the Danes as well I 
On on the matches so far, I would I would say that each of them probably moves the ball quicker than England. And whether you know that could be that could be a factor as well. Get into the last two or three games. Yeah, definitely. Just I just think, brief. Go on. I think the problem we have compared to some of the other countries is the way we're set up because certain players are being left out. The obvious, you know, the obvious ones being Foden and Grealish. Mm. Relying on the opposition to make mistakes to create our chances, it's like we're wearing the opposition down and capitalising on mistakes rather than doing something to open the opposition up. And I don't we can be that lucky to rely on that to keep happening. I, I just don't think nation. I think that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, we're stubborn. We'll run all day, but I just. We rely on other teams to make mistakes to help us win. Yeah, it's a good point. It'll be very interesting to uh, revisit this next week, of course. Definitely, yeah. And uh, more, more on next week's podcast later. But just before we move on to our final uh, section of the evening, um, just going briefly back to Rab. He's going to give us the contact details and the website address because he does it so eloquently. Rab, take it away. The website details, www.champweareunited.proboards.com and you can find us on Twitter under the handle at champ underscore A-R-E. Alfa Romeo Echo, as we said last week. Something I do remember from, from Twitter, just before you move on, uh, in the last week or so, there was a bit of chat because we do now, I don't know if you can see that there, but we do now have the mug, which has the Riverton badge printed on the front. <laughs> like in that. Very nice rendering of that. And on the back is printed Riverton United. And it's lifted... Um, the logo is lifted straight from the comic. It was also lifted partly from Riddle's Riverton shot. <laughs> I have to say, oh, yeah. that. and there were, I did put a photo of the mug up on Twitter. There were some inquiries about the mug and whether or not we were actually selling them, indeed. So, um, so far it's a one off. It was, it was just simply sent through to a mug making company. Uh, many are available, but they've done a fantastic job with it, I'd have to say. So that is something we may come back to. You'd be able to start your own business there, Rob. <laughs> Just about, yeah, cottage industry. And obviously for the listeners that can only hear, that was a thing of beauty. <laughs> it was lovely, wasn't it? It was. It was. <laughs> Should we move on to our final section yeah. of the now? Yeah, go ahead. And it's a, it's a interesting. We've got a new section now with Simo back, hopefully permanently. He's going to be choosing certain things, and we've called this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Following on from Ridder's reviews, we've called this Simo selects, and this week Simo selects the goals of Jimmy Grant. Go ahead, Simo. Right. Well, this is. Uh, I'm going to be doing this as, as like a four part. Uh, four-part story because uh, obviously there's there's too much to get in in uh, in one go. It, it basically it, it stretches over probably six seven years of his life, but it's it's broken down into four episodes. Uh, so the story starts as the uh, Jimmy Grant, 13 years old at school, 
got big dreams of uh, winning the World Cup and being the England captain. And unfortunately, it's kind of interfering with his schoolwork. He gets, gets caught at school reading football magazines when he should be studying. And the, the teacher's not too impressed with this and sends him to see the headmaster, who uh, threatens to leave him out of the school team. Fortunately, Jimmy manages to convince the, the, uh, the head teacher that uh, his school, Reed School, have uh, made it to the Manton Cup final, where they'll be playing Barton Sports. And this is the first time ever that a school team has made it to the final. So he manages to talk the head round and uh, he's, he's available to play the match. They don't get off to so much of a good start and uh, they soon find themselves a goal down. Jimmy not uh, being particularly impressed with this as he's uh, very, very driven and decides to take matters into his own hands and, and practically turns the game around on his own and uh, secures a 2-1 victory for Reed School. It, uh, it's, it's then become it becomes aware of, there's a little bit of interest from a non-league side called Welland United who would uh, have been sniffing around and had, had seen the cup final but uh, Jimmy's got ambitions well above this level and decides there's no way on earth he's ever going to play for a non-league team so he, he carries on playing with the school team things are going well he's bagging lots of goals he's clearly the standout player and then uh, you get to get a little bit more interest. A, a man called Alan Haeckel from Third Division Harford City shows a bit of interest. So uh, Jimmy asks for permission to leave school to go for a trial, and he's uh, he's flatly refused. But uh, Jimmy, being Jimmy, decides that he's going anyway. Um, gets himself into a little bit of trouble at school for not going, um, and his uncle finds out who. As it turns out, he's uh, not a particularly nice man. He uh, not only gives uh, Jimmy a bit of an earful, he then goes along to the, uh, the Hartford City Club and, and starts demanding money for Jimmy's services, which obviously doesn't go down too well. And Hartford decide not only do they want this guy never to show his face again, but they also don't want anything to do with Jimmy. Uh, at the same time, he's, he's still playing for the school team. And uh, he's getting continually frustrated with some of his teammates. And he, he gets to the point where he actually goes and takes the ball off one of his own players, runs up and scores a goal and saves the team yet again. Unfortunately, back in the changing rooms, the player he took the ball from takes exception to it and they start fighting. So this now leaves uh, Jimmy suspended. So not only in, you know, in a short space of time, he can no longer play for the school, He's also missed his opportunity to play for Hartford City. And he, he then gets himself into even more trouble when he gets home. And he decides he's had enough of his abusive uncle and runs away to live with his gran. He's not, he's not there long. He's, he's only been at his grand's for a very short time. And he meets Henry Blake, who uh, goes to the local school, Warren Street School. And they strike up a little bit of a friendship. And they've, uh, they're out playing football and... On the way home, Jimmy uh, decides that he's going to call in at the local club, which is 4th Division Donford Rovers, and ask for a trial. Uh, when he gets in there, though, his, his hopes are dashed as he, as he finds out that uh, they won't take anybody on at his age. At this point, he's, he's now 14. 
but they won't they won't give a tryout to anybody under the age of 15. So he, his dreams are shattered for the short time. So he, he goes back concentrating on the school team. Again, he's, he's just tearing up trees. He's, he's running riot. He's just he's head and shoulders above anything that they've got. And uh, on his 15th birthday, he decides he's going to go back and give it another try with Bonford Rovers. So he gets into a trial, but uh, unfortunately, he doesn't, he doesn't get to play in his favourite centre-forward position. Uh, so he, he, he starts struggling a little bit. And then to make matters worse, he actually finds he gets himself injured as well. He gets, gets a bit of a knock in a tackle. And, then, and that really sets him back. He, he can't kick the ball properly. He can't run properly. He can't jump. Basically, the, the trial doesn't go very well and he, he ends up being rejected. So, again, at this point, it's not looking too good for Jimmy. He seems to be hitting, hitting problems, you know, knockbacks all the time. But fortunately, it's, it's going well at school. His friend Henry had been accepted for the trial at Donford. So, with him having other interests now, that the school captaincy has been passed on to Jimmy and he really comes into his own and, and he's just like, he's a star. Everybody knows it. And deciding that, you know, playing for the school just isn't enough for him. He wants some other team. He actually goes and uh, tries to get a job for Brentworth Engineering Works. And uh, he's, he's told this, this is a no-go because he doesn't work. It's a works team only. So he volunteers uh, to take on a job sweeping the, the workshops out in the evenings just so he can get a game. And the, uh, he goes down, he, he has a little, well, very, very short trial. One, one of the old players, Slammer, who's, who's been around for a bit, he's, he's very sceptical. He doesn't think that uh, Jimmy can handle this playing against men. But uh, Jimmy soon, uh, soon changes his mind. And Slammer comes to the realisation that this, this guy's going to have his place in the team. And he quickly decides he's had enough and he's going to retire. He... Uh, he carries, he carries on playing for Brentworth as well as school and things are going quite well. And then uh, it turns out that the school have got through to another cup final and it's actually played on the, on the Dunford Rovers ground. And it turns out there's also a few other scouts there from, from higher clubs. So, there's, you know, he's got a lot of people to impress this time. But uh, it doesn't go too well in the first half. There's a an old experienced player for the opposition called Bert Tanner. And he's, you know, he's seen it all, done it all. And he basically, Jimmy can't find a way past him. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's played him out of the game. He hasn't, you know, he just, he's lost for, for a way to find a way past this guy. And so the scouts from the, from the higher divisions, basically, they, they've seen enough. They're, they're convinced that Jimmy's not got what it takes. And that they leave before half time. But fortunately for Jimmy, one of the scouts, Mr. Moody from Second Division Brompton Albion, uh, come, comes across to Jimmy at halftime and gives him a little bit of advice as to, to how to deal with Bert, and tells him that uh, obviously Bert is getting on a got getting on a bit now. You know, he's 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 had his best years and he needs to to drag him around the pitch, tire him out, and then and then take him to the cleaners after that. Which Jimmy follows that advice, and at first, you know, the supporters are giving him a hard time because it looks like he's just running backwards and forwards and, and not really going anywhere and just like giving simple balls off and going across the pitch. But uh, it, the plans worked. He, he, he's, he's got Tanner 
on his last legs. And late in the game, he, he scores twice and uh, wins the final. So he gets uh, the chance, obviously what he's wanting, which was to, to get his trial with, with Dunford Rovers. But uh, after the game, the Dunford Rovers manager says that he'd love to give him an offer, but uh, there were two other two other scouts there that uh, from higher divisions and he felt that he couldn't stand in his way. And he wanted to give Jimmy the chance to move on you know, and, and skip playing for a fourth division club and, and take himself higher because he can clearly see there's some talent there. So Jimmy's faced with a bit of a, a dilemma. He's, he's been offered a, a trial at Crawford City of the first division. But, and also Mr Moody from Brompton Albion wants him. So after a bit of soul searching and, and having to go and look around the clubs, Jimmy, surprisingly, given his ambition, decides to turn down the offer to Crawford and uh, decides to go with Brompton Albion, which he, uh, he soon begins to regret when he, he realises that as an apprentice, he's got to clean everybody's boots and he's involved with helping line, you know, mark the pitch and other things like that. And he's, he's beginning to think he's made a bit of a big mistake. But once he gets his chance in the youth team, he, uh, he, he shows what a good player he is, but he does rub some people up the wrong way. And uh, they decide to get their own back on him by playing a few practical jokes on him, by uh, pretending to him that he's been selected for the first team. And they also uh, throw a ball on the pitch for him to practice with. And uh, he doesn't realise that it's just a balloon full of water and soot. So he ends up completely soaked. <laughs> but uh, this... this this doesn't dissuade him. In fact, it, it shows his mental strength. He's, he's willing, you know, to take all, all the, the practical jokes and all the hassle from the team. And, it, and he plays so well that he actually gets promoted to the reserve team. But uh, again, there, he, he doesn't exactly make a very good impression to start with as he, he doesn't really mix with the, the reserve team. He keeps himself to himself. He's very quiet. Um, but again, he, he plays a blinder for the reserves. And by the end of that game, uh, Mr. Moody decides, well, that's it, one game's enough. He, he, he's going straight for the first team. So he, he's kind of in a very short time. He's gone right from playing for his school right through to the, playing for the first team of a second division club. And of course, once he gets in there, again, there's, there's nothing seems to be able to stop him. He's, he's, he's got the lot, he's got the skill, he's got the brains, he's got the speed. And... He just transforms the club that they're flying up the league. It looks like they're heading for promotion. Um, and then it, it gets into like the, the middle part of the season around Christmas and New Year time. And unfortunately, uh, Jimmy ends up picking up pneumonia. And he's, uh, he's out of the team for quite some while. He's, he's a good six weeks before he's even training again. And in that time, the, the club's form basically drops through the floor. They, they get knocked out of both cups. They start to slide in the league. And uh, by, the, by the time he comes back, you know, they're really desperate for him. They, they, they want to rush him back in. Uh, the manager decides to give him one game in the reserves just to get his, you know, get himself back in, get his sharpness back. And, and then after that, he's, he's straight back in the team. It's coming towards the end of the season. And he, not only does he... Uh, he gets Brompton promoted. He actually scores the goal that wins them the title on the final day of the season. 
he, uh, he goes home to to show his grand his, his medal, his uh, Division Two title winner's medal, and she's so proud of him. But he says that this isn't the end. That you know, that this is just the beginning. There's going to be league title medals, FA Cup medals, European Cup medals, in playing for England, England captain, and uh, that that's where the uh, the first section ends. That's the end end of his first season as a professional. And that's that's part one uh, that's done there, is it, Simo? That takes him through his school years and his first year as a professional. That then, was really, really interesting. There are facts there that I didn't actually know. Really, really interesting. Yeah, good work, that's Simo. I'm, I'm looking forward to this because obviously he fits in with the United verse and I'm aware of Jimmy Grant, but I don't know too much about him really so yeah looking forward to this must be i hadn't to be you know until a few weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah obviously a big part of the dc canon so yeah i'm looking forward to finding out about jimmy grant and it's smack bang in the middle of the united verse as as we uh we use the term uh, yeah that, that be, yeah that uh yeah episode two will expand on that wonderful really enjoyed that Right, right then. I think it's time to begin to wind things up. Um, just a few bit of a few bits of information regarding our next episode. We normally record this on a Wednesday night, but next week we're recording on the Thursday because, uh, amazingly, it's our eleventh birthday. Not of the podcast, of course, but of our site www champweareunited.proboards.com uh, so we're recording next Thursday we'll be reminiscing about some good memories on the site we will talk about some of the uh, favorite moments in the podcast so far also we'll have part two of Simo selects the Jimmy Grant story and hopefully more Ridders reviews maybe some feedback as well from Rab there we go that's the end of episode 15 uh anything else to our gentlemen no nope, all good um uh come on england <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> we shall see we shall see where uh, interesting see where the predictions go obviously that's, that's fine, actually. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Predictions. Top of the league. Top of the league. Anyway, move on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. uh, good night from Rab. Good night. It's Bonsoir. good night from Rinner. Oh, hang on. No, Rab's not finished yet. Go on, say it again. <laughs> I thought I'd move into a different accent. So saying bon year, bonsoir. There oh, we go. Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, oh, we'll have to do a Eurovision special, of course. Uh, it's good night from Ridders. Uh, good night, everyone. Good to be back. Uh, enjoyed tonight. Good stuff. Uh, it's good night from Simo. Good evening, everybody. Oh, we've started again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good night from me, girl. And uh, we look forward to uh, next week, our 11th birthday recording. Good night, everybody. <laughs>